from the fragments of translation, I may fumble for words. From the fragments of migration, I may never find home. From the fragments of the stories, I can hear what's unsaid. From the fragments of their voices, I can sing my own song. May I know my worth, may I find belonging. I flow from past, I flow to future. We are fragments being pulled apart by the two sides of the split, belonging and non-belonging. Identity, of course, is the whole point of this album, and it's a journey and something that's constantly changing. Even with all of the holes in my skills and knowledge, I'm enough. In some ways, I feel like I didn't really choose music. It just kind of happened. Welcome to Joy in Conversation, a podcast about Jewish history and culture. It's with scholars, but it's for everyone. I'm Dan, and I'll be your host. Join me and find joy in conversation because, well, it's a mitzvah. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. As a student of history, I know these words well. We look to the past. We seek to understand it. But it isn't necessarily the world we inhabit. There's a distance. There's a gulf between today and yesterday. This is not just some esoteric notion that plays out in the mind of a historian searching through the archive, trying to make sense of the motivations, the concerns, the realities of life for people elsewhere in time and place. The past is a foreign country, and this has implications for us as individuals, as members of families, as people belonging to numerous imagined communities. Imagine communities. That's exactly what we do. We imagine ourselves belonging to something larger than ourselves, spanning past and present. The way we do so is through vestiges, artifacts, slivers of information that offer a glimpse into who and what came before us. And from these insights that we glean, we find meaning, we make connections, and we forge a sense of who we are and where we came from. But this is easier said than done. We're walking through fog, trying to get our bearings straight, and trying to get our memories in order. Yet our memories aren't so neat and tidy. And our memories aren't always intact. Our memories aren't even always our own. They're fragmented. They're partial. They're often faded. Sometimes they're even borrowed. This can feel bittersweet, the sense that the past isn't entirely retrievable. Yet this fact can also galvanize us. It's become the basis of my life's work, studying the past, using the past as the bedrock for my yearning to see the fullness of humanity. I study what came before in order to make sense of the here and now. I look to the past in order to encounter the vibrancy, the vitality, the dynamism, and the full dimensions of people who otherwise may be flattened by the passing of time. History is my conduit for encountering the other, for witnessing the humanity of the other. Seeking out the past for me 
has always been about crossing borders, breaking silences, and bringing into focus so much of what otherwise remains hazy and unclear. And through that process, I feel intimately connected to people who otherwise would seem unknowable. But it's also a way of understanding the forces shaping me and my own life. Sometimes I know myself better because of this work, or perhaps I don't know myself better. Instead, I know what paved the path, what set in motion the course, what forces led up to my arrival on the scene. Growing up, I remember looking at black and white photos of my grandparents, their parents, and their parents before them. At a certain point, these people started to seem otherworldly. I was told that I came from cantors from Hungary, a line of them ending with my great-grandfather, discontinued because my grandfather left yeshiva, joined the army, went to university, and lived a secular, suburban life. There was a rupture, a departure that made this past and my own life seemingly unrelatable. I was never a yeshiva student. I did not become a cantor, and I'm not orthodox. Am I at all still of that world? Of that community? Can I claim a sense of connection, of continuity with their world and their ideas, and the trappings and expressiveness found among these people, among my family? Is the study of history alone enough to bind the generations, to connect me to people far away and long ago? Perhaps. But I'm not alone in asking these questions. I recently heard of a musician who has set these and many other questions, reflections, and meditations to music, and who rendered this search for memory, for identity, for a connection to people and place with artistry and emotion. Yoni Batat is many things, but having spoken with Yoni, I think it's safe to say that he's an artist and someone concerned with questions of memory, identity, and who is striving to use music as a vehicle for expressing his multifaceted sense of belonging to various communities. With Yoni, we'll think about music, art, and the relationship that he and his family have to Jewish communities around the world. We'll think about the way Yoni is striving to bridge distances, such as those between him and Iraq, him and the Arabic language. So let's turn to Yoni Batat, search for answers to these questions, and listen to some music. Yalla, let's learn together. My name is Yoni Batat. My most comfortable identity and probably stable identity is one of a musician. There's a lot of other identities that resonate for me at times and maybe not at others, but what's feeling resonant for me is that I'm an Iraqi Jewish musician. I'm a half Iraqi from my dad's side and my mom's side is Ashkenazi. Yoni is a musician. So what genres does he play? Where does he find himself in a musical landscape? I play a lot of Jewish music, music that's based in traditional Jewish styles of Eastern Europe and Middle Eastern cultures. But most recently, I've really been focusing my efforts on the Arabic music of my Iraqi ancestors. Yoni is focusing on the music of his Iraqi ancestors. Where does his family come from in Iraq? 
How recent is his family's connection to Iraq? They come from Baghdad. There was a very, very rich, important Jewish community in Baghdad for thousands of years, uh, a strong diasporic community there. And, and it was really a, a, an important central place of Jewish thought and Jewish life, really up until the middle of the 20th century. My grandparents, Avraham and Violet, uh, were both born in Baghdad and then left around 1951 to come to Israel. Yoni is a musician. He's Iraqi. He's Jewish. But how did he come to music? Where does he locate his musicality and his overall sense of self? It feels as central to my identity as the things like my ancestry that I didn't choose. My parents started me on violin when I was four years old. I didn't know whether I wanted to play violin or not, but they heard it was good for brain development of little kids, and they knew that violins come in tiny sizes. That was the reason I started music. They encouraged me to follow my curiosities, and I grew up in a very musical household, hearing a lot of diverse musics. My dad, having grown up in Israel, which is such a rich melting pot of so many different cultural musics, he brought that love for radio and love for different world music traditions into our house. I grew up listening to... Arabic music and Middle Eastern pop music and French music and Greek music. So those are sort of like the musical influences of my house. I have a memory of falling asleep on my dad's stomach when I was a little kid after Shabbat dinners, listening to a particular album by uh, Yehuda Poliker, who is an Israeli artist really influenced by Greek traditions and plays electric guitar in a very Greek style and also plays bazooki, which is a Greek instrument. But also I was studying classical music, so I heard all of the Suzuki method songs of the classical world and, and also got very serious with classical music, really getting obsessed with the Bartok string quartets, for example, for a long time. Yoni is currently exploring Iraqi, Mizrahi, and Middle Eastern-inspired music. But what is his relationship to other forms of Jewish music? What other influences has Yoni steeped himself in over the years? Klezmer music was a central part of my young musical development. Growing up in an Ashkenazi-dominated community, you know, and, and wanting some Jewish outlets for my musical expression, Klezmer was an obvious option, and it was amazing. Where I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, there was a intergenerational, intergenerational pickup Klezmer big band, essentially. I was very, very lucky to play in that group since from the age of 12, probably. And I learned so much there and, and even started my own klezmer band when I was in high school as like a little side hustle with some friends. So klezmer music, just as what I thought was the de facto Jewish musical expression, was a really central part of my musical upbringing and also my musical voice from a young age. I knew there was a lot of Jewish expression that wasn't necessarily klezmer, but it felt like that was elevated the most. There was understanding around that form in my community. I've been unlearning and relearning the things that I wish I had from a young age, and, and now I'm really focusing my musical interests, energy around Middle Eastern repertoire, Arab classical music, Mizrahi Jewish music, and really trying to immerse myself in that. As a Jew who spent the last 15 years living in and traveling throughout the Middle East, I find resonance with Yoni's journey to connect to his Iraqi identity. 
Some of the most enriching moments of my life have been spent with people in Jordan, Lebanon, and Israel. I've invested deeply in seeking out and valuing life in a part of the world that is often misunderstood, mischaracterized, or ignored. So what excites Yoni about Middle Eastern influences? How does he feel when he's in dialogue with music that emanates from places like Iraq? Really what got me excited about Arab music was just the musical content. On a trip to Israel when I was about 16, my grandfather took me to a Middle Eastern music school in Or Yehuda, where I had my first lesson of Middle Eastern music. I learned for the first time that Arab music has so many more notes within just one octave with one scale than Western music does. It just excited me from an intellectual kind of geeky perspective that, wow, this tradition is so rich and it's so diverse and it has so many aspects and opportunities for expression that just don't exist in Western music. So really, that was my entry into it. I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. And also, by the way, it's also Jewish expression. It happens to be something that I can associate with in my Iraqi identity. So that felt like a really special moment, finally having an exposure to Arab music and feeling like, wow, this really excites me from a musical perspective. And then, of course, since then, in the journey of learning that music, it's been very meaningfully per for, to me personally, being able to get closer to my roots, get closer to my ancestry through the music, that's been really meaningful. It's been really, really special to be able to invest that time in, in something that feels so personal. Musicians create, but they also share their work with the world. And audiences have sensibilities and expectations. But they also enjoy being challenged and exposed to something new that upends or pushes them past their expectations. What is Yoni's relationship with his audience? What does he want his audience to feel and experience? When it comes time to perform or when it comes time to release an album, it's a finding the right balance of in what ways do I want to push my audiences? And I really do want to, especially around the concept of beauty, the concept of what is Jewish expression. The main goals for my music is to reclaim Arabic language and Arab musical modalities as Jewish expression, not as something that's like an offshoot, but actually something that can be a central part of Jewish expression. That feels like a place where I do want to open minds, especially for listeners who are new to this music. Yoni recently released an album titled Fragments. So far, Yoni shared a bit about his musical influences. Now let's learn from Yoni about how his journey is on display in this album. The album is about fragmented identity. As an Iraqi Jew that didn't grow up with Arab language and didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of access to the memories and culture of Iraqi Jews, I grew up going to a Chabad synagogue, a Solomon Schechter school, surrounded by Ashkenazi culture, playing klezmer music. So how am I yearning towards my ancestry, towards memory that can't really be passed down? by this point, and yearning towards a stronger connection with the culture of my Iraqi side when I'm coming to it what feels like as an outsider. And I know I'm not the only one who's had this experience in the world. People from any number of reasons are yearning for connection with their past, yearning for understanding of what place they have in the role of history, relating to the past and also looking forward to the future. As I was creating this album, I, I led a series of workshops with members of the Boston community where 
we reflected together on our own fragmentation. I was really inspired to hear the stories and memories that members of the community brought into these workshops. And it really helped to open my mind to realize how expansive this experience is and how many people are also struggling with trying to connect in a way that feels authentic and meaningful to them, to memory, to uh, the traditions of the ancestors, to the music, songs. And so my goal as I was creating the album was to fill in the missing pieces with imagination and, and basically using the senses, using imagined tastes, smells, touch, sounds to be able to bring us that real intimate connection with memory. Because for those of us who don't have a lot of details about our ancestry, having a taste of something or a smell of something or holding an object that we know an ancestor held and imagining their hands holding it, that can give us a real and intimate connection with our history and with our ancestry and with memory, even if it's not about the specific details of those moments and of those stories. The album is about that. It's about accessing memory, it's about accessing ancestry, and it's about doing so without necessarily the specific facts and details, but with the colorful use of senses and the imagination to bring us that intimacy with our past. Let's take a listen to some of the tracks from Fragments. As we listen, let's get a sense of the ideas that underpin the songs. My dad and grandparents actually didn't share many memories of Iraq with me. My dad was born in Jerusalem. He never stepped foot in Iraq and, and probably never will. I don't know if I will in my lifetime. And my grandparents, I don't remember them sharing a lot of memories of Iraq. But the first track expresses this yearning for homeland and for the memory of this place that I don't actually know a lot about Iraq. It's this mythical place in my mind that I've never been to, but is a central part of my ancestors' experience for generations, just like Arabic language was a central part of their communication for generations. I found a beautiful Arabic text that was written by a man named Anwar Shaul, who was a journalist and poet in Baghdad. And he stayed in Baghdad much longer than most Jews did. Most Jews left in the 1950s, and he stayed through the 70s because he had such a love for Iraq as his homeland and really didn't want to leave. And he wrote this poem when he was representing Iraq in the International Congress of Arab Writers in the 1970s. And he wrote this ode of love to Iraq as a homeland, which involves like how his childhood grew up on the banks of the Tigris and his youth drank of the Euphrates and how he feels such uh, kinship with Arab culture and with the Arab language and with, and with Arabs. The album starts off with the sound of rushing water to like a trickling stream to try and bring us a sensory connection with what it is to grow up on the banks of the Tigris, even if I never did, and even if I'll never see it. It's coloring in the experience of memory with the sound of running water, with imagining what it's like 
to have grown up there. And with this really strong sentiment of love and admiration for Iraq and for the place that he called home. Yoni has never been to Iraq. He's never seen the Tigris. And as he said, some of his music fills in memory with imagination. But not all of Yoni's music is about imagining the unseen. Some of his songs are about capturing the memory of people and moments. So what memories from Yoni's lived experiences also find their way onto this album? I grew up with my grandmother's cooking. She passed away when I was 10, but I really have strong memories of some of the foods I ate with her. One in particular, Kuba Adom, which is like a dumpling cooked in a, a beet sauce. The way my grandmother made it was special and I really remembered it. I was looking for that connection with her and the memory of her and the memory of being in the kitchen with her by making that food for myself now as an adult. And so this song expresses the struggle of trying to get the recipe exactly right, but the dough won't hold and the feel's not exactly right. You sit there wondering, what would my ancestors say if they were here guiding me to uh, make this food? And so the chorus of the song is an imagined advice from the ancestors just to give us a little more comfort in being able to yearn for their memory even if we can't get it exactly right every time. So it's like the power of food and smell and taste to bring us closer to the memory of loved ones. Personally, I talk a lot about Jewishness, but not necessarily Judaism. But Yoni draws from Jewish liturgical expression in his music. What does that look like? One of the tracks, which is called Zamru, it's a setting of a Kabbalah Shabbat psalm, which is Zamru l'Adonai b'chino, b'chino v'kol zimra, to praise God with a kino and the voice of song. These psalms were written thousands of years ago, and clearly they were using some sort of uh, instrument to praise God. And for me as a musician, I was very curious about what that instrument sounded like. So in modern Hebrew, kino means violin. So obviously I have a strong connection with that sound, but also I started thinking historically, like that wouldn't have sounded like with what I associate a violin to sound like, a modern violin to sound like. So I started thinking about what their praise sounded like, what Jewish prayer and praise sounded like when the Psalms were written. And what I came to was using a primitive violin called a joza, and it's a spike fiddle that's played kind of upright and was made out of a coconut shell and a piece of wood. And I was able to find an amazing Iraqi musician in Indiana who plays this instrument. And she brought in this amazing sound that's foreign to so many people because it's such an ancient instrument. It has such a piercing and evocative sound. And so my goal with that was to bring in that instrument to attempt to fill in the memory. This is what feels like, in my mind, a lost memory or some sort of a subconscious thing that is embedded in Jewish experience you know, an instrument that was used for praise. So this Joza, in my mind, maybe it's not exactly what it sounded like. Maybe it was more of a harp. That's beside the point. The experience of hearing something new and being able to connect with that ancientness of that sound can bring us closer with our subconscious memory and like Jewish memory at large. Yoni is not a native Arabic speaker, 
but Arabic is prominent in his lyrics. What other languages appear on the album? And for listeners who may not speak or comprehend some of these lyrics, how does Yoni invite them into his expression nonetheless? There's four languages on the album. There's Arabic, Hebrew, English, and there's even one song that has a few lines in Yiddish, just to fully encapsulate this jumbled experience that I've had growing up. But I really wanted to honor the place of Arabic in this album and Hebrew as a Jewish language. So, for example, the first song is entirely in Arabic. I don't speak Arabic so well. I'm on a journey to learn Arabic. That's part of my own fragmentation, the fact that I'm learning this ancestral language now as an outsider. So basically, there's two ways to take in the album. One would be to follow along in the liner notes. They have translations of all the songs and also like short descriptions of each one. And sort of a mission statement or uh, artist statement of what I was going for with the album. That another way is to just let the sound of the words wash over you. And for me, that's actually my experience of so much Arabic music. Is even though I've been studying Arabic for many years, I don't understand most of it. And that's actually part of what I'm trying to get at with sensory experiences, helping us connect with memory and with a particular experience. So it's totally valid as well to listen to this music, especially the pieces that you don't understand, and just let it wash over you and see what the sounds of a language do to you as a listener, both musically and also as in an evocative way. Yoni's album is called Fragments. When I think about fragments, I imagine something broken beyond repair. But there's also the potential for restoration, the possibility of repair, but what does the process of contemplating the fragments of memory and identity mean for Yoni? This whole album has been a healing process for me. Feeling my fragmentation, despite having spent over a decade studying Arabic music and being well into my journey of studying Arabic language, I still felt like an imposter. I still felt like I had no right to represent Arab culture, Arab Jewish culture, Iraqi culture to audiences It felt like if anyone should do that, it should be someone who knows it really well. And so I was sitting here at the beginning of my process with writing this album, feeling like, how am I ever going to find the strength to be able to say something in this style when it's so new to me and when it feels not native to me? And the process of recognizing that fragmentation and accepting it and incorporating the fragmentation into the work itself was so healing for me because it was basically me saying to myself and to the world, I know that I may not be an expert. I know that I'm still on my journey and I know that I'm so far removed in so many different ways from my ancestry, from certain parts of my identity. But that is a valid part of human experience. And I still have a right to express myself in that style. And also other people might really care about what I have to say because they also might find themselves in a similar position. And so through that process, it's been incredibly healing to recognize that I'm enough. I feel like there's a lot of healing and healing work to do within the Jewish community of just opening up the diversity of Jewish expression and reclaiming Arab expression as Jewish expressions. I want Jewish listeners in the audience to be able to experience that opening. And I have Arab friends who are not Jewish who have found a lot of resonance with the message of this music and the message of, of memory, especially ones growing up outside the Arab world. This is the experience of to be the child of an immigrant is fragmented. I would hope that this music would resonate with 
other listeners as well, including Arab listeners. And in my dreams, I would love to bring audiences together that maybe are different in some ways, but can come together through a shared moment of beauty. Music is evocative. The creative act itself is evocative. The emotions that we experience when both making and encountering art are numerous. Art can evoke melancholy, euphoria, nostalgia, and much, much more. But I wanted to know about the joy that Yoni finds in creating music and using instruments and lyrics as vehicles for contemplation and self-expression. Is there joy to be found in these acts? It's not always joyful. It's painful sometimes, and it feels uh, lonely. For me, growing up relatively isolated as a Middle Eastern Jewish musician in my community, it feels lonely. But the moments of joy are when I get to share with people and when I get to connect with other people that are like me. I've had so much healing being involved with a caucus of Middle Eastern and Sephardi and Jews of color in Boston, which has been so healing and joyous to me. And also any moments of just sharing beautiful music and being able to experience the opening and the um, uplifted spirits that come with that. That's really the, the most joy I experience in this work. And also I feel joy when I start to master things more, when I start to be able to speak Arabic more. Someone on the street yesterday, I was in a conversation very casually with someone on the street, and he told me that he thought I look Iraqi. You know, he guessed that I was Iraqi, and that gave me so much joy. That just made me feel like I was recognized in my experience and in my identity in ways that, like, people in the States don't always know how to name. There's little moments of joy in all of what I'm doing, and even if there's not tons of joy all the time, it's still very much worth it. And as I begin to perform this album more, and as I begin to record and release more music, I feel like the joy is coming. Joy is coming. For all those who search, contemplate, create, and are on a journey to find a home full of family, memories, and art, I can't think of a better sentiment to offer us all just a little bit of hope. A special thanks to Yoni Batak. It was a real treat talking to you. If you're interested in learning about Yoni's music, visit his website at yonibatat.com. Thanks, as always, to Nico Rivers for music supervision, as well as mixing and mastering joint conversation. To learn more about Nico's work as a composer, visit nicorivers.com. And to learn about his work in film and audio production, visit auraformaudio.com. That's A-U-R-A-F-O-R-M audio.com. Alec Hudson is responsible for our graphic design and Klezmer theme song. To learn more about Alec's designs, visit warbirdcreative.com. And for his music, visit alechudson.com. Our website design is by Jacob Lazaro. Our episodes feature music by the Boston-based Sephardic band, Voice of the Turtle. The group is no longer active, but their music is on Spotify, and their website remains a trove of Sephardic sounds. Listen and learn more at voiceoftheturtle.com. We also feature the music of Ezekiel's Wheels. Thanks to the band and Abigail Reisman for making that happen. Learn more about Ezekiel's Wheels at ewklesmer.com. Thanks also to Blue Dot Sessions for making high-quality music available for creatives everywhere. And thanks to you, our audience, for your time and curiosity. Stay engaged with Joy in Conversation by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by visiting our website, joyinconversationpodcast.com. And remember, Joy in Conversation is still independent 
put us now the audio experience for Project Mosaics, an education nonprofit dedicated to promoting humanities education that elevates and centers Jewish histories, cultures, arts, and identities through the creation of digital multimedia content in order to illuminate the plurality of Jewish voices and experiences from around the world in classrooms right here at home. Consider donating to Project Mosaics to help us create content for teachers and students that is multicultural and culturally affirming. Support Project Mosaics and help us connect the pieces of Jewish history. Learn more at projectmosaics.org. Okay, Bushufaku. We'll see you next time.